Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. I'll pray for the action of the Holy Spirit, confessing before God that we're dependent for Him for everything. Can't do anything on our own, but well, I'll pray for the moving of the Spirit. Look with us now in chapter 13, 1 Corinthians, chapter number 13. We'll begin at verse number 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Father, open your word to our hearts, we humbly pray. Grant us God a feeble servant with nothing to offer. Grant us the unction of your Holy Spirit. Arrest us, Father, for this single purpose. Speak truth. God, may that truth find our heart. May it change us. Forgive us where we failed you. Boy, I pray, God, that in this very hour, in this moment, that you draw us nearer to you, every heart and every soul. We would lay aside every burden and every weight of sin and allow you, God, to... Restore us and help us, we pray, to bind ourselves together in this work, to assume our position as your children, your servants. Lord, may we lift you up, who are worthy above all others. Thank you for what you're going to do, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians 13 is 
the chapter of love. Many will read it that way. Charity, the word itself, agape, meaning love, unconditional love, the greatest of loves, the love that saved us, the love that sent Christ to a world that was undeserving, the love of God that that sent his only begotten son, that's the love. And that's what the apostle is speaking of. But I want to give context tonight. Chapter 13 immediately follows a, a discourse of the apostle Paul in chapter number 12 on spiritual gifts. And gifts are important. And gifts are needful. And yet, I think it's necessary for us to recognize that what the apostle was getting to was that above all the things that we may have been given of God, spiritual gifts, the greatest of these is love. And it's so far greater. And that's my goal tonight, by the help of the Spirit of God, is to for us to see how much greater love is than all other things. If we're not careful, we let our love wax cold. The Bible warns of this. If we're not careful, when sin comes in, it begins to corrupt the love that we have, and it begins to cause us to live in sin, and then as we sin, we offend others, and we end up in a mess all over again. But if we would just love one another, and isn't it, uh, well, it's not by coincidence that we find the two commandments that the Lord gave that man that day was simply this, love God. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Love God. And he said, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And we find in this particular chapter that the apostle comes all the way through, and I'm going to try to hit those quickly in just a second because I believe it's important as we recognize how great that love truly is. But I want to start at the end and say it like this, that there are three that remain of all the gifts that were given. And certainly some, I believe, were particular to the apostolic age, to those apostles who, by definition, were working miracles among others, and they were establishing the Word of God and the churches of God, and they were working things that we simply don't experience today. Um, if, if, if you throw a copperhead on me and I get bit, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, but the Apostle Paul put his hand out there and a viper bit him and he just shook it off and went on. All right, I don't have that ability. Right, it's not given to me. I'm a disciple of God. I'm not an apostle. There is a difference. There were apostles who were called for the specific purpose of establishing the Lord's church on this earth. The Lord Jesus came doing the miracles, not simply because he had compassion on the sick, but he was establishing that there is a God who can do all things and did those things through him. And as his missionaries, as his his men that went out into the world, the apostles of God, he gave them also the ability to do those things. We read of different things. The apostle Paul could pray over a handkerchief and you could send it out and and it would heal sick. I don't have that ability. Now you say, well, it's because you don't have faith. Well, maybe so, but I also believe there's no apostolic position for me to do so. 
Now, I'm going to try to tell you why, because I believe the gospel tells us why. I'm not being divisive. I'm simply trying to discern the truth. Because if there's anything out there that's spiritual, let me be clear about this. I want it. If there's something that I'm missing, I want it. And I've prayed for some of these things and have never received them. And you say, why? I believe the Apostle Paul's clear about why. There was a time for these and a purpose for these. But I also don't want to get wrapped up in just thinking of spiritual gifts tonight because here's what I want to say. There's one that is greater than all of them. And if you're going to worry about any one gift, let me tell you to worry about this one, and that's love. It exceeds everything else. It goes so far beyond everything else that you could, you could establish as a spiritual gift. Friend, it leaves them so far behind. As for the Apostle Paul to said that there's three that remain. Now that indicates to me that there was a bunch of them that went away. He said there are three that remain or abide. Faith, hope, and love. He said, but the greatest of these, clearly the greatest of these is love. And I confess to you today that I don't have that love within myself. But I am able to love today because I have been loved. I have been loved by the love above all loves. I have experienced the love of God, which is the agape love, the love that, that, that gives to me what I need in spite of what I want. The love that reaches beyond and, and says that I'm going to love you in spite of who you are and not because of what you are. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to love you in a way that goes beyond everything else in this world. May I say today that that example is, is given to us on the cross where the Son of God gave himself because he loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You see, there's no greater love than this, according to the Scripture. There's no greater love than this. Love is the greatest of all gifts. But I want to say to you this. We've talked a lot in the last few weeks about faith, and certainly faith is necessary. Um, I jotted down just a few of the things from my notes from the weeks past on faith. There have been several messages on faith, and it seemed that God was truly working in our hearts concerning faith. And then as I, I began to think of all of that material and all of those different places in the Word of God where faith is is, is given and instructed and explained and, 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 and something that has been shared with us and compelling us and all of those things, I just want you to understand that love is greater than that. Love is greater than faith. Love is greater than hope. Love is the greatest of all. Let me say this. The Bible said concerning faith, that if you can believe that all things are possible, what an extraordinary comment, a statement, a declaration, and I believe it's true. If you believe, there's nothing that God can't do. Now, that's done through faith. You say, well, that's an extraordinary thing. Faith is great. Faith is great. He said, by grace through faith are you saved. Now, that alone puts faith in a very high position for all of us, doesn't it? Because it was by his grace through faith that we're even born again. And so we recognize that faith truly is extraordinary and great. He said we're saved by hope. He said in the book of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. He said, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. He also said that without faith, it's impossible to please him. He said, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm talking about faith. How great that faith is. The Bible said that Abraham was called the friend of God because he believed God. Well, faith keeps getting greater, doesn't it? It keeps getting greater in its importance and its essence. I'm trying to establish the greatness of faith in order for us to recognize how truly great love is. Greatness of faith. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews 11. And he said, what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection and others had trial of cruel mockings of scourging jade moreover of bonds and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn asunder were tempted were slain with a sword they were wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted tormented of whom the world was not worthy they wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth and these all having obtained a good report through faith Now that's a mouthful, ain't it? And all of that was about what? Faith. Faith. The Bible said clearly that these having not received the promises, but having believed them, embraced them. Amen. They 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 embraced them. They having seen them afar off, they died in faith. I'm talking about subduing kingdoms, stopping the mouths of lions, quenching the fire, right? We read of all those stories, and that's what the apostles speaking of, is it was faith that intervened in the lives of these people to do these miraculous and extraordinary things, and God through faith can do anything. And so we say to ourselves these things such as, if I had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, I could say to the mountain, be you removed and cast into the sea. My goodness, how extraordinary faith must be if truly such such things are possible with just the smallest amount of faith. And yet I want to suggest to you today that even in faith and hope and love, that love far exceeds all of the others. Exceeds it in such a way that it makes it it makes it so clear for the Apostle Paul to say to them, now abideth these three, these remain. Truly faith and hope are necessary. He said these three remain, faith, hope, and love. He said, but the greatest of these is love. Right? He said, if you want to categorize, if you want to prioritize one of these in your life, he said, it's love. It's love. Why? Well, because love is long-suffering. And this love that he speaks of is, is kind and it doesn't envy. It doesn't lift up itself and is not proud. Love doesn't behave itself unseemly. Love doesn't seek its own benefit. Love is not easily provoked. Love thinketh no evil of others. Love rejoiceth not in the sinful things of this world, but love rejoices in the truth. 
Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Now, let me go to the scripture. Here's what he said. In verse number eight, he said, charity or love, he said, never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Now, may I say to you today in the apostolic age that there were certainly prophecies. There were things that were being revealed to the men of God that nobody had ever heard before. There were things that were being shown to them that were only shown to them, and they were able to record them for us. There were things that that were of a prophetic nature that were being shared with many of the apostles, and they were sharing that with the body of Christ. And they were necessary then. Whether there be, whether there be prophecies, he said, they shall fail. There's kind of time, he said, at least he was living in that day. He was one that was receiving the prophecies of God that had never been heard before. And yet what he was saying was, is there's a day coming when these prophecies that you hear of me, they'll no longer be necessary for a man to give. Prophecies will fail. He said, whether they be tongues, he said, they shall cease. Were there tongues? Yes, there were tongues then. They were speaking of tongues, and he goes on in chapter 14 to explain more about the speaking of tongues and the importance of doing it right and having an interpreter and not the necessity of being able to speak prophetically instead of speaking in tongues just because the clarity and the confusion. And yet what the Apostle Paul said about prophecies and about tongues, he said prophecies will fail and tongues will cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But listen to what he said in verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come. When that which is perfect is come. He was speaking of something in his day that was yet to come. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part. Now what did he just say about tongues and prophecies and knowledge. He said those are in part. We do not know all, therefore we cannot prophesy all. We cannot speak in tongues concerning all. We cannot have knowledge concerning all. He said all of these things are in part. And he said what we know is when that which is perfect is come, he said these things that are in part shall be done away with. Shall be done away with. Why? You say, well, what was that which is perfect? I have something, brother, they didn't have. They only had the first part. I've got the rest. There was something they were waiting on. They were part of its deliverance. God used the apostles and prophesied through them in order to create for you and I the divine revelation of the New Testament. And it was recorded and then bound in a book, first part and then the second part. May I say to you today, you don't need me to pray over a handkerchief, brother. The New Testament has deferred and declared to us all, you can pray yourself. You've got as much power as anybody else has power. I told the sister last night, there ain't no power in this oil. The power is in the word of God and the faith in God. You see, the things which were in part, they've been done away. I don't have to speak in tongues. I don't have to prophesy. I don't need a greater knowledge. You say, how come? Because that which is perfect is come. 
And it has done away with all those things that were only in part. Now, I'm not here to debate whether one is still needful or not. I'm simply reading the Word of God. Right? I read it. And what the Apostle Paul, who did have prophecies, who did speak in tongues, and who did have a spiritual knowledge, a spiritual knowledge so great that he explained it in one of the Gospels by saying he knew a man... (laughs) He was speaking in the third person. He said, whether in body or not, I don't know. He said, but it was about 14 years ago, and he was caught away to the third heavens. And he saw things that he couldn't be uttered by man. Amen. That was him. He was talking about himself. He had a greater knowledge than you and I did. You say, why? Because he was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he was learning in those extraordinary spiritual examples, brother, he was doing that he might lay the groundwork for something that was perfect for you and I today. Now, people get wrapped up in all kinds of things, but I want you to know I've found no reason to abandon the King James Version. Now, whether or not, whether or not, now I've been through a lot of these and I actually have a Hebrew Greek study Bible. It's the one I prefer. You say, why? Because it takes the Hebrew and it, it defines it. And I can look up a Greek word and I can go from the Greek root of that word and I can dig deep and try to understand ultimately what the meaning of the passage is. Now, so I find that, that those words are absolutely important. But I see no reason to deviate from that which has been given to us. Right? If it was good for them in 1611, I believe it's good for us. Amen. There's been, there's been something in this word, friend, that has been able to say, people get hung up on the thou and the these. It ain't really that big a deal. Amen. We understand what they mean. We understand what they're saying. And brother, if we'll open our heart to the word of God, the spirit will reveal to us the truth. Man's never been able to comprehend it within his carnal mind anyhow. It takes the spirit of God to open the heart of man and for us to be spiritually enlightened. You can't have it any other way anyhow. I've took a lot of ridicule from time to time over sticking to the King James Version and I don't preach it a lot or at least preach it as something that's mandatory, right? If if you believe that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, you can be saved. It don't make any difference to me what they read it out of. Because the word of God's able to rescue you as deviant a soul as you may be, right? You may read it off the back of a piece of toilet paper somebody wrote in a jail cell, but if it told you about Jesus, you can get born again from it. But I've also found that there ain't no reason to deviate from what's good. Right? There ain't any reason. And I can tell you that we could go into the whole thing on why there's other versions. And I can tell you I've went through that and I'm still with this one, so I'm just going to leave it at that. But I'm glad that those things which were in part have done away. Right? They've been done away. You say, why? Because I tell you what, we need greater than anything else in this world. Right? You don't need to be impressed that I have the ability to give some kind of prophecy that you don't know. It's not really necessary for me to speak in tongues and then somebody to have to interpret what I don't even understand so that everybody else in the congregation comes. That's not what you need. You don't need for me to have a greater knowledge that is revealed to me as if I was something different than you. What you need is faith, hope, and love. 
those are the primary graces of, of the foundation that has been given to you and I. What we need is that which is perfect, and that is the Word of God. Amen. And when we read it, we need to believe it. And regardless of where we've been, what we've experienced, what we've done, amen, I'm not saying up or down on anything. What I'm telling you is what the Word of God says. And what it says is, is that I don't need the other things which are in part. What I do need is faith, hope, and love. And of these three that remain, these three that are still here, these three that are abiding, the greatest of these is love. Love. Because love is greater than all things. The Bible said in 1 John chapter number 4, Beloved, let us, not, let us love one another, for love is of God. For everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So here we find that the very essence of salvation is found in whether or not a person loves another. Whether we love God, whether we love one another, you're going to find that the litmus test concerning salvation is about love. Not about faith. It's not about hope. Now, faith is what gets me to God. Faith is what, is what gets me that salvation through grace. But when it comes right down to it, when I get saved, what changes me is the love. What makes a man different than he was before is the love of God that is imputed, the love of God that he receives the very instant that he's born again. Faith is the conduit to the things that are greatest, and that's love. Love, you see, is greater than any other work that can be done. There's all kinds of things, and I can assure you that some are out there today just for their own prosperity. I heard a guy tell this just the other day as I was listening. They'd been in a great revival, and the revival had gone on weeks and weeks, and hundreds of people had gotten saved. And news cameras, news people showed up, and they were videoing it, and they were telling the the preacher, they said, well, just let us know when the miracles start. And and he looked at them, and he wasn't sure what they meant, and, they, and, and he said, what, what, what do you mean? And they said, well, just when the miracle line starts forming, just point it out to us so we can, we can get that. He said, well, I'm not sure what you're talking about. He said, but let me show you some miracles. And he took them into the auditorium, and there was a man there that had a little boy, and the man had been a drug addict. God saved him the week before, and his little boy now had a daddy that was straightened out and living for God. He said, now that's a miracle. You see, what people are looking for are the loaves and the fishes. What people are after is chasing after him when he was raising them from the dead and causing the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the mute to talk. They're looking for the miracle. But may I say to you today, there's no need to look for that. What's greater than all of that is the love of God. Right, The greatest miracle that could ever be perceived by mankind is the love that God had for a man that was unworthy of his love and yet he loved him anyway. That's greater than a miracle. It's greater than you standing and seeing some kind of something done by the power of God or whomever. What I can tell you is that love is greater than everything. For here's what the Apostle Paul, I told you I was starting at the bottom, I was going backwards. So he said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, if I don't love he said, I've become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. He's saying basically that my words are meaningless if I don't love somebody. If when I say something, I'm not loving them as I say it, is it might as well just been, been a tinkling cymbal over here making racket. 
No, he said in verse number two, and though I have the gift of prophecy. Right? Now, now Paul was clear. These were gifts of God that were given specifically to those apostolic characters that had a church to found for the name of Christ. He said, though I have the gift of prophecy. Right? He didn't deny that it was an extraordinary gift of God. And he said, and though I understand all mysteries and understand all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could say to a mountain, be ye removed. He said, if I don't have charity, if I don't love, I am nothing. How important it is, is it that that I'd be able to pray over a handkerchief and then send it to somebody in the mail for $3. Right? It's not. What's important is that I love them. Right? And love never fails. Now, does God do miracles? Absolutely. Does God do the things we can't do? I believe he does. Can I pray for the extraordinary healing of someone? Yes, I can. Do I see it? I do get to see that from time to time. I see God do the miracles. But may I say to you, it's not that that makes him great. It's the love of God that redeemed mankind and dwells now within our own hearts. The apostle said, if I could do all of these things, if I could do everything that you think is extraordinary, may I say to you today, it would profit me nothing. If I did not love. Now, that establishes for us how great love is. The agape love of God. That establishes for us that love exceeds all other gifts. Love. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, if I have not love, he said it profits me nothing. Now, he said, love does all these things. It suffers long, and it, it doesn't envy, and it doesn't, it's not puffed up, and it, it's kind, and all of these different things love is. And ultimately, I just like the one at the last where it says that love never fails. Love never fails. It was the love of God, you see, that brought salvation to man. It was the love of God that spanned that gulf at Calvary. It was the love of God that is made possible for you and I even an opportunity to be born again. You see, without the love of God towards you and I, we would still be lost. And so love is the greatest. Let me close with this. First John chapter number 4. If you want to turn with us, I'm going to read four verses, and I believe they're important. Number 1, the Bible said in verse number 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth, everyone that loveth, is born of God and knoweth God. May I say to you today, if the, if the test to whether or not you've been born again, the test to whether or not you've been born again is not whether or not you can speak in tongues or you have great knowledge or mysteries or, or being able to prophesy, none of those are the test of salvation. No, according to the word of God, what is the test? Love. He said, brother, if a man does not have love, he does not have God. God is love, he said in the same chapter, in the same book. God is that love. You see, love is the greatest of all these. Now, are there important spiritual gifts? Absolutely. Absolutely. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 goes through a host of gifts. And when I got saved, let me be clear, I didn't get them all. 
But I did get some. And so did you. Everybody got some. And may I say, I'm going to be judged for the ones I got. What did I do with them? And you are too. And when you got saved, you got gifts. Some got many, some got a few, right? Remember the parable Jesus gave. And in the end, what's he judging us for? What did you do with the gift? I'm just, I'm just trying to be clear that gifts are real. And you get them when you get saved and you're responsible for them. And you're supposed to be using them to further the kingdom of Christ. But of all those gifts that we have, whether or not you have one, three, or five, or more, if you don't have love, it profited you nothing. That's what Paul's trying to say. Right? He went to the extreme and used those phenomenal gifts of tongues and prophecies and knowledge. And he said, yeah, God, God does extraordinary things through the apostles, so that you might know that he is God and we are his men. But all oh, he said, when that which is perfect has come, those things which are in part shall be done away. Right? You, he said, you won't have need for them. And the gifts that we need to desire the most, he said, truly are love. Love. And so he said, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. Right? Again, the test of salvation is whether or not love abides. Verse 8, he that loveth not, listen, knoweth not God. For God is love. Verse number 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Last one, verse number 10. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, to be the propitiation for our sins. Of all the things that we need as a church, it's not the extraordinary apostolic gifts that are spoken of in so many places. What we need as a church is love. Show me one place in the scripture where anything exceeds the power of love. The apostle was clear as he explained the attributes of this love and they're extraordinary, every one of them. Love never fails. What will it take to see people saved for lost people that come in for them to be saved? And I understand they'll have to be convicted and believed to be born again. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what, what is it going to take, right? When, when they came to Jesus, come get a song. When they came to Jesus, the Pharisees, he, he got after them and he said, what, what, what did you come to see when you saw John the Baptist? What did you come after a reed shaking in the wind? Did you come to see a man dressed in some fine king's clothing? You see, it wasn't any of those things that were going to transform those people. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist was the scariest looking man you'd ever seen. I mean, hair going everywhere. 
wearing something that a camel used to wear. And he comes out of the woods squalling, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yet the power of that word drew them by the hundreds. They didn't come to some fancy-dressed, slick fellow that was preaching a prosperity gospel. No, they come to a man dressed in camel's clothing, and he was crying out, repent. And they were compelled by the gospel of love. I don't know about you, but I'm convinced today that what the lost person needs when they come into this church is not to see the power of faith and healing and all other. What they need is love. Now, that's not my opinion. That is the word of 1 Corinthians 13. I hope you picked up on that. That what the Apostle Paul is saying, look, church, if you don't have love, you're disqualified. You can do all this other stuff all day long, and they try. Right? You can entertain people until they're just full up and happy. But if love wasn't at the bottom of it, it meant nothing. He said, now, the ones that remain are these three. And I think that tells the story, Randall. That, that tells the whole story for me. When you want to talk about all these stuff, he said there's three that abide. Faith, hope, and love. And he said the greatest of these is love. That's clear, ain't it? You know what I need to focus on as a pastor? Love. Love never fails. Love is kind. Love suffers long. Love bears all things. Love endures all things. Love is so powerful. And what you need is love. What we as a church need more than any other gift of God is love. And the only way I know for us to to grow in love is for us to get closer to the example of love to the very epitome of love, the very essence of love, right? What did he say? God is love. So the closer we get to God, the better we'll be able to love. I'll tell you what sinners need is they need love. Right? They got enough people condemning them. (laughs) Right? And they likely convicted already, both spiritually and earthly. That ain't, that ain't what they need. What they need is what Paul said is greatest, and that's love. The Bible said that love, it doesn't rejoice in iniquity, it rejoices in truth. See, love does the things that the world don't understand. Love abides when nothing else abides. Love is the very thing that says, yeah, the world's give up on you, but God ain't. Love's the very thing that, that preaches to the sinner who wasn't even in their right mind the night before and said, Jesus loves you and bids you to come. And all that's because love. Love is the greatest. Love is the greatest. As we stand and sing, I don't know who you are tonight, but I know this. If you don't have love, you don't have God. You don't know God if you don't have love. Search your heart. If you're not right with God, get right. Get right.